Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. So we've been doing this amazing series um, on miracles. It's been awesome. It's been wonderful because we are being reminded of the God that we serve and that he's a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. He likes to do signs and wonders because that points a finger at him and it makes people see him. It makes people see him, see their need of him. It helps us to glorify him, to bless his name because we know that he has done great things in our midst. So we've had this, this uh, series and it's been great just hearing about how he's our provider and how we are to be steady so that we can then attract, you know, his presence, his power into our lives. We learned about God yet last week. We learned about our mindset and his mindset and how important it is for us to take on his mindset and to leave our mindset behind. So that's where we are right now. And today we are going to read from John chapter 6. But before I read it, I'm going to ask Tino to come up front and to do a copy and paste of the last uh, Sundays. So we're going to read from the book of John chapter 6. And Tino is going to um, read for us in Shona. Mongwanani. Sorry, you got me crying because of a testimony. Anyway, Mangwanan. Um, so I could give the whole translation of how we greet in Shona in terms of it, it goes back and forth. It's a lot. So I'm just going to stick to Mangwanan. You can say Mangwanan back to me, and, and that's it. That's fine. So Mangwanan. All right, cool. So, um, sure. Uh, Shona switch. Okay. Mangwanan and Nasi, Drukoven and Gakuna, Joani, Tsaukowa. Which Philip akamkupindra akati. Mbairo, unoshandirwa kwemedzi misere haugone kutenga chingwa chinokwana mumwe nomumwe hake kuti awane chimedu. Mumwe wavadzidzi vake Andrea nomunonguna wake Petro akati. Ho uno mukomana ane zvingwa zviduku zvebhari nehove mbiri asi hazvingashipiko hazvishipashingashipiko hazvingashiki hazvingashike piko. Pakati pevanhu vakawanda zvakadai. Jesu akati itai kuti vanhu vagare pasi. Panjimbo iyo pakanga panjimbo iyo pakanga pano uswa uzhinji kwazvo. Uye varume vakagara pasi vakanga vaka vakakaroshika zviuru zvishanu. Ipapo Jesu akatora zvingwa zviya akavonga uye akazvigovera kuna vanhu vaya vakanga vakagara pasi mumwe nomumwe pakada naapo. Akati akaita zvimwe akaita zvimwe chete zvonehove vakati vachika vose akati kuvadzidzi vake unganidzai zvimedu zvose zvasara musadega zvichiraswa saka vakaunganidza 
zvakasara zvikasara matengu 12 zvimedu zvezvingwa nebhare zvishanu zvakanga zvasiwa navaya vakanga vadya Jesu vakati vaona zviratidzo vanhu vakati vaona zviratidzo chakanga chaitwa na Jesu vakatanga kuti zviro kwazvo uye ndiye mprofita aifanira kuya panyika Jesu akaziva akaziva kuti vaida kumuita Jesu akazia kuti vaida kumuti aite mambo vaka akabva akabaje aenda kugomo ari oga mwari ngakomborera mwari ngakomborera kuverenga kwe keshoko rake Thank you so much Tino. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to guess the was the last part God bless the reading of his word. Yay! <laughs> that was serious guesswork. The only two words that I think I probably got were Jesus and Shanu. Shanu is five. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much. We love our brothers and sisters from Zim. They are we are so grateful for them. Anyway, so I'm going to read that now in English. John chapter 6 verse 5 to 14 and I think it should be up there. It says, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, "Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat?" He said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, "There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many?" Jesus said, "Have the people sit down." Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish as much as they wanted and when they had eaten their fill he told his disciples gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten when the people saw the sign that he had done they said this is indeed the prophet who is who is come into the world. Amen. Amen. Okay. Shall we pray please? Father God, we come to you in Jesus name and we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place and we thank you for your word. We ask God that we would hear what you would want us to hear today and I ask God that your word would find the right soil to land on and that we would hear what you are saying to us and live it out father we give you praise in jesus name amen amen so yesterday i mean yesterday wow last week <laughs> last week we learned about a place i think it's bethesda right bethesda and it's interesting that jesus comes from bethlehem And today we are reading about something that happened outside Bethsaida. So the that Beth means house of or home of. Now Bethsaida is the house of fishermen or the house of fish. So this uh, I just want to give you a little bit of context of where 
this miracle happens. It happens in that place. And this place is a very remote place. It's a remote place on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, what happens here is that Jesus and his disciples um, decided to go to this remote place, all right, for a reason, and I'll go into that just now. But what is significant about this miracle is that it's the only one that is found in all four Gospels. It's the only one that's found in all four Gospels. And not only that, but when you read the details, the, the main points are exactly the same. But what I find interesting is the perspective that comes from the different accounts. And we'll go into that uh, uh, just now. But the, there are different perspectives that you see coming from each of the books, depending on who is writing it and what they were focusing on. And what is also, what I, what I find quite interesting about this miracle is that it happens in Bethsaida, where the other miracle that happened there was the miracle of the man who was, who was um, blind, and then he was healed. The one who Jesus spat on the, on the ground, mixed up the mud, and put it on his, on his eyes. And then he said, what do you see? And then he saw men like trees, and then Jesus prayed for him again. And then he asked him, what do you see? And then he was able to see clearly. And what is significant about this is that Jesus actually had to take him outside the city to pray for him. And um, the last thing that I just want to share about this place is that um, Jesus said, Woe unto you, Bethsaida, because many miracles were done in you, but the people of Bethsaida did not turn away from their ways. So they saw all the, these great miracles, but that did not move their hearts or that did not cause them to change and to, to see Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And what's significant about this place being um, the, 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 the house of fish or the house of fishermen, it's, it's both those, is that these three were called to be the fishers of men. They were called to be the fishers of men. So this is where Jesus was teaching them and guiding them on how to fish. Because this is where they, they, they were coming from here. Though, so that's where they learned to be fishers, how to fish for actual fish. But Jesus was teaching them. So he was changing the way in which they were seeing in the place where they were. Okay. So now let's just, so I just would like us to look at this account and to see several things that come out of this account that we can apply to our own lives. All right. The first thing that we see, if we look at verse 5, I'll also, what I'll do is I'll also look at how it's written in the other accounts. So from time to time, I'll be going to the others as well. Verse 5 says, it's, we're still in John 6, it says, Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So when we see this, we see that Jesus is sitting there. He's having this quiet moment with his disciples because uh, oh, what I actually was also supposed to tell you is that they came here because they were trying to get away from the crowds in the first place. So they were coming there to get away from the crowds. This is a time just after Jesus has found out about the fact that John had been beheaded. So he needed to go to that remote place. 
Secondly, it was when the, the disciples were tired because they had just gone out and ministered and all of that. So they needed that respite. So here they are in this quiet place. They're having, you know, this time to refresh and to recoup. And then Jesus looks up and he sees the crowds coming. They followed them. And then when he sees them, he says this, right? He said what I've said. And then in Mark 6.34, it says, he saw them and was moved with compassion. So in spite of the fact that he was tired, he was possibly distraught because he had just lost his, his uh, cousin. The first thing that he sees when he sees the hordes coming, the first thing that he comes to him is compassion. He had compassion on the people. And what is interesting is that when, he, when they came, the Bible here says that he asked Philip what should be done for the people. So he knew the situation was coming. He knew that as these people, as many as, that, as they are, as they're coming here, they're going to be hungry eventually. So he saw that there's a problem coming. There's a situation arising. So even in our lives, we need to understand one thing. God has compassion for us and he already knows the situations that we'll be in long before we know. He knows. Even before you get into that situation, whether it was a, it was a, a, a thing that happened due to some circumstances or it was self-created, he knows that it's coming. And the Bible here says that he already knew what he was going to do in that situation. So he knows that it's coming. Not only that, but he's, he's ready. He knows that he's got the answer ready. But then he asks Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people? Because you see, God wants to challenge our minds. He wants to challenge how we think. Because he is aware that our thinking Yes, it's limited. Exactly. It's limited. It's tainted also with how we were raised, where we come from. You know, so I'm not going to dwell on that because there, there was quite a bit that was said about our mindsets. But you know what I find interesting is that God, he knows that it's coming. He sees the situation and he's well able to sort it out. Unlike, do you know, have you sat with soccer enthusiasts? Have you sat with them? We've just had the World Cup. I had one of the wildest moments there where everyone was sitting around and play and watching the final, right? You hear everyone excited, knowing what needs to be done on that pitch. They are convinced. They know what needs to be done. So they know what the problem is. They know what needs to be done in the problem. The only problem is that they're sitting on their own couches. So they can't really get there and deal with that situation. So they analyze. They analyze almost like if I was there, I would show them. If I was there, I would do this. What are they doing? What's wrong with them? But I'm so glad that God is not like that. He doesn't know and analyze our situation and be the greatest commentator and do nothing. Sometimes it feels like that's what he's doing. But he's right there with you. As the match is going on and as you're being challenged and as you have Holland coming at you, he's right there, you know? He's right there. Amen. <laughs> so, anyway, he is there. He is our provider. He loves to take care of us. He meets our needs. He's keen 
to provide the help that we need. But also he's keen to provide the help that others need. Because sometimes we can be so wrapped up in ourselves and then we forget that God actually wants to use us to create miracles for other people. So that's why he had to ask Philip, Philip, let's stop now. We've had enough rest, okay? We've had enough rest. It's sufficient for now. What about those people that are coming? What are we going to do about them? But I love that not only does he have compassion, but he enjoys teaching us and he enjoys challenging us. And I find this quite funny because it happens a lot in my life, in all of our lives. So if, if you remember that verse that we read, it said that he asked him because he was testing him. So when God tests us, it's a teaching. He's teaching us. So he's checking, okay, I've been teaching you all of this. You've been seeing the miracles. Let's see what you are going to say now. Let's see whether you have actually got it. Because for some of us, it takes our whole lives to actually understand certain things. So he's trying to change his frame of reference, right? Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Okay. Now, is he answering the question? Jesus said, where are we going to buy bread for these people? And Philip goes to the challenges. Oh my goodness, I don't have enough. <laughs> I don't have enough. Okay, what are your plans for 2023? I don't have a job. No. What are your plans for 2023? So, sometimes this is the impact that having a, a, a warped mindset has on us. Because firstly, we cannot hear clearly what the question is asking. We cannot hear clearly what God is asking us to do. What he's asking us to focus in on. So he's asking for the solution, but Philip is focusing on the challenge. Jesus already has identified that there is a challenge. He can see that you, there are so many people coming here. But you see, what happens with us is that we look at the wrong end of it. A challenge has two sides to it. It's, you, when you have a problem or a crisisunity, <laughs> it has, it's that, it's a combination. It's a crisis, but it's an opportunity. When we go through difficulties, when the, you see, when I was walking through Glenwood yesterday and I saw the litter and I saw the uncut grass and I saw the tree that was lying there in the, in the park and it's been there for a while, I could see it as a crisis or an opportunity. If I believe in a God who works miracles, I've got to see it as an opportunity. So as I was walking there, I said, God, okay, what can I do in this situation? How do I bring change in this situation? Because I can choose to just run away from it all. 
or just pretend it's not happening. And I just had an idea, okay, because I'm bothered by litter more than anything, from now on when I'm walking, I'm taking a packet with me and I'm gonna pick up the litter. It might be one person doing something. It might be one person doing something, but Lord, I'm gonna give this to you for you to use and trust you that other people will see it and they will follow, right? So then I carry on walking. When I turn around the corner, I see a gentleman whose job is to, to guard our street. What is he doing? He's cleaning outside our neighbor's yard. Because this is an old lady's house. She's 86. So he's cleaning outside there. He's like, you know what? I just felt I need to do something. At least if I can do something for one person. Here I was walking, seeing a challenge, and I'm saying, God, at least let, let me be the one person who does something. In the meantime, I'm not aware that there's another person who is thinking exactly the same, that God is touching to do something. So every situation that we go through, every challenging circumstance, it's got the crisis part, but it's also got the opportunity part. For us, first of all, to be changed by God, for our thinking to be changed. It's an opportunity for us to choose to stay in the victim mindset, like Jill said, or to choose to come out of it and to see ourselves as victors. Because when I see myself as victorious, I see that I cannot live in a place like this. And whenever I talk to people, when they complain, I'm like, yes, yeah, I see all of that. So now I start to change the way I speak. I say, okay, but what can we do? How about speaking to that person that you saw throwing that rubbish and creating employment? How about you speak to that person? Maybe, who knows, they may listen to you and be willing to hold that and put it in their pocket until they get somewhere. So when we look... My prayer today is that God would challenge us to see him and his hand in the situation. Because a crisis without God in there is a crisis. But a crisis with you as his child in there has the opportunity for change. Yeah. So we cannot afford to become overwhelmed by our circumstances. And I know sometimes when it's new, you do get overwhelmed. It's natural. It's normal. It's human. That's okay. But you can't stay there. We cannot stay there. We can't stay there. And what is interesting, if you look in the other accounts, in the, in, in the other gospels, the other disciples, they said the same thing that Philip said. They agreed. They said, yo, 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 it's too much. But you know, there's something um, that here, Philip could have either been, um, he could have been sarcastic, saying, Lord, even if we use half a year's wages, all they're going to get is a bite. Because that's what he said. He said that, that uh, what was it, uh, 200 denarii, it's basically wages for about half a year. And here he was actually saying, they will get a little. In another translation, it says, they will each get a taste of the food. So I don't know whether it was sarcasm, which usually comes from when we react from emotions, or it just could be logic, where you're like, 
okay, how much will it, will it take? You know, how do we do this? And sometimes if we go with our logic, although it's good, it can lead us away from having a, a faith stance. If we move with our emotions, which can cause the sarcasm and the bitterness and all of that, once again, it moves us away from faith. So we don't have that stability. And when we lose that, we lose sight of who is with us. We forget that actually (laughs) I have Jesus here. I have Jesus here who has, you know, who has just done some amazing things. I almost said he has just walked on water. He hadn't done that yet. But we lose sight of who it is that we are with. But God wants to create miracles, not only for us, not only for us, but for others as well. So we've got to be in that place where we constantly are aware of ourselves and we pull ourselves from the emotions, pull ourselves from the logic and say, God, what is it? Help me to see. Because all he could have said is, Lord, I don't know, but you are here. He could have said that. Because there's nothing wrong with seeing the situation as it is. But then take it to him and say, Lord, what should we do in this situation? And then here's something else. Jesus then challenges them further. He says in Mark 6, 37 and Luke 9, 13, it says, you give them something to eat. (laughs) He says, you give them something to eat. And then the other one is, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So don't just react through your emotions or logic. Go and see what you have. Doesn't this say that clearly he knows that there's something that is there that can be used. But not only that, one thing that this is highlighting is that there is something that is there that can be used even in your life. There's a little something that is there that God can use to create a miracle. Sometimes God has miracles that are creative. In other words, where he creates something afresh. But a lot of times I've found that God uses what is already there. He uses what is already there. So to Moses, he said, what is that in your hand? And Moses just had a rod. And God used that rod for all the miracles that he performed afterwards, except for the, for the last one. Well, yeah, the, 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 the kids dying. Anyway, so, so he said, what is in your hands? And I just want us to quickly read uh, an account in Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7. It says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Can we just pause there a little bit? This woman had a husband who was a prophet and he feared the Lord. How many times have we as Christians said, but God, you know that I love you. It's like we feel like we have to justify why it it is that God has to do something for us. 
One thing that we need to understand is that God loves us regardless of who we are, regardless of what we've done for him. We don't have to prove to him that we deserve the miracle. We deserve his grace. Everything that we get from him, we get because of his grace. There is nothing that we, can, we could do. We cannot, we cannot love God so much that it's like, oh, you love me enough for you to deserve all the things that you get. Our loving him and our fearing him are things that we need to do, but they don't qualify us for the miracles that he does in our lives. In other words, other people that you see, you know, sometimes you say, ah, God, for this drunkard, so now I have to pray for this drunkard. I course, no. Yeah. Anyway, so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maid servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then Elisha says, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. She has little but God says, bring the biggest containers, as many as you can get. You have a little bit, but your expectation must be giant-sized. And, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and, and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it, she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. So here's what it, what's interesting. She was asked, what do you have in your house? Jesus said to them, Go and look. Sometimes we just pray, 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 but don't pause to look. What do I have here that God can use to create something for this situation? Because I guarantee you, there is something that is in your hands that you look at and you think it's not enough. What can I do with this? This is too little. It's not worth anything. What can I do with this? It, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. What you need to realize is this, is that God has gifted you with talents. He's gifted you with abilities. He's gifted you with things that you can do that perhaps you haven't even gone and studied but you can do these things. And for you, they are tiny, they're not important. Like, have you seen people who know how to do hair? It's actually ridiculous. I mean, they will do this style, then they'll do this style, and, and then they'll be like, hey, yes, I'm waiting, I don't have a job yet. Ish, I don't have a job. And then you say, oh, that's, a, that's beautiful, can you do that on my hair? Yeah, sure. They'll just do it, they are just doing it for friends. They're not charging anybody anything, but they are waiting for a job because they went to study something at varsity. So they want to do that thing that they studied for at varsity.
while they are sitting with something that is small, that is minuscule, that doesn't mean anything. So he says, go and look. And what I find interesting in this story of this woman, God says, uh, Elisha says, go and pay off your debts with this and then live on the rest. That's how God is. He's more than enough. He doesn't just, just, just give you just enough. Oh, okay, you just, want, you just want enough for just for end of this month. Okay, here you go. Here's 3,999 because you need 4,000 rand. Here you go. That's not the God that we serve. And not only that, you know, God is amazing in the sense that <laughs> he gives you even the things that when you look at them, they're not necessities. They're not necessities, you know, but he will give them to you anyway. Because part of this is for you to build up your faith so you can help other people as well. So you can help other people as well. So he said, look, right? Look and see what you have. And then use that. And that's what he did. Because then we see that they said that there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. <laughs> and listen to the next part of it. But what are they for so many? But at least they went and they looked and they found something. Jesus, you know, God is, is incredible. All these adults had nothing with them. All they wanted was to see if this man is really the Messiah. So they were running after him. They didn't even plan ahead. They didn't even think, okay, we're going far. Hang on. I think they were just following. As the boat was going, they just went and went and went. And the next thing, they were too far. But God made sure that there's a boy who we don't know how he decided to pack this food. We don't know who told him to do it. Maybe his mother always said, whenever you leave this house, you take food. Because maybe you're going to come just, be, you know, just before supper and you wouldn't have eaten for the whole day. I don't know the backstory. I would love to find out when I get to heaven. But the point is that there was one person. Remember, the Bible says there were 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children. Well, we know there was definitely one child. But we don't know how many children and women were there. Out of all of these people, one, just, God just needed one person. So as they were coming, Jesus knew that, okay, there's a boy with this stuff. He knew. So they came. My suspicion is also that perhaps the others, there were others who may have had some, but they were looking at it and saying, ah, oh, just this, mm-mm. I'm going to keep it for myself. It's just me. I'm going to keep it for myself. I mean, think about it. If you go somewhere and people know they are supposed to pack some stuff when they go somewhere, right? But they don't. I mean, these are adults. They know they get hungry. But why didn't they? I mean, I've organized for myself. Why don't they? Now, last week, 
we went to a concert. Someone really blessed us with a concert and we are so grateful for it. Now, we're not from Cape Town, so we don't know. We, we didn't think, I guess, that Kirsten, ba Kirsten Bosch Gardens meant it's, it's, it's a park, so you will need to bring stuff, you know, to sit on, etc. So there we, we realized, oh my goodness, picnic blank, picnic baskets. So people are carrying picnic baskets and blankets. Hey, okay, this is going to be interesting. So anyway, we get there. We don't have blankets. We've eaten. So at least we've covered that one. We've eaten. We don't need food. So we get there and we walk. It's, it's, this is, guys, like I'm saying, God works miracles even in places where you don't, like, you're like, why would God be interested in this? So first of all, we get there. When we arrive, there are like cars, kilometers going that way. People have parked a few kilometers away and they are walking. Well, maybe a kilometer, but they're walking. So we're like, are these people going to where we're going? Hey, but we didn't think this was going to be this full. So we go, go, go. And then we're like, no, we're not going to park here and follow them. Uh -uh. Let's just see what happens up there. So we carry on driving. And then, so we see, okay, the venue is here and really... These people are coming here. And then we look up and we see on the other side, there are other cars that are parked. It's far, but it's not as far as the other one. We're like, hey, we're going to park there. So as we are driving to where we are going to park, there's parking here. There's a space. No one has taken this space. Kanjan, how? So, okay, we find parking, which is close. So we go and we park. Yay, okay, we've got our parking. We park there. And then we walk. Now we're walking in. Sure, there's many people. We walk, walk, walk. We go in. We eventually come in and it's full. It's full. So there are no seats reserved. We're used to these things where you've got your seat, you know, all of that. But there's no seat. Seats, it's just picnic blankets. Bla Ooh, blankets. Oh my goodness. Blankets. So anyway, so we walk and we look. We look for a space. And we find this space. It's like at a, it's a, so there are people sitting on the grass here and it's at the end. And I'm like, you know what? Let's not go further back. Let's rather stand here. I mean, you know, these concerts, this, these US people, they, they're not going to take more than an hour, you know? So they're not going to, so it'll be fine. We'll stand here for an hour. If we need to sit, I'll just sit on my knees and it'll be fine. So we're sitting, sitting behind these two people. They're sitting on, a, on, on camp, camp chairs. Okay, fine. So we stand there, we chat, chat, chat. Long story short, before the main event, the lady who's sitting there turns to us and says, come, sit there. We're like, huh? No, that blanket in front of us, that's ours. Sit on it. Like, oh. <laughs> and it was a nice big blanket. We sat there, it was comfortable. We could hear perfectly. We could see perfectly. It was just amazing. So that's God. God just, he's in the detail. He's amazing. He's amazing. So anyway, okay, back to the story. So now Andrew says that um, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. I just want to draw your attention to this. Do you notice that God, Jesus, is focusing on the people who grew up in the area? He first spoke to Philip. And now he's speaking to Andrew. So right where you are, God wants to use you. The answer to la ukon, to where you are, is you. God wants to work the miracles through you.
So I want to challenge you. If you want to move from that area, ask God, Lord, do you want me to move from here? Or am I running away? Is this where you want me to be? Or do you want me to be elsewhere? Because sometimes you move and you are removing the answer that is supposed to be right in that place. Anyway, so Andrew finds the, the five loaves and two fish. So, you know, when he spoke up, <laughs> I think he just said it because like, okay, we were asked to do this. Let me just, you know, there's a boy here. He saw it as a small thing, but it wasn't. There's nothing too small for God. God can use it. And all that God needed was a seed to use. Because you see, what needs to happen is that the little that I have, I have to then give it to the Lord for him to use and to multiply for me. It may really be small, but he will multiply it and make it something that is bigger than what it actually is. Because what they did was he said, bring it to me. So he brought, so they gave it into his hands. So when they brought it into his hands, I heard somebody saying this and I thought it was so powerful. When they brought it into his hands, it changed kingdoms. Okay. So it was in the boy's hands. Right. But when it came to Jesus, it changed kingdoms. So now it was in the kingdom of God. It was in heaven's kingdom. And this is the kingdom that functions in multiplication. The kingdom that speaks about 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. The kingdom that speaks about increase in numbers that we don't understand. Why would you think about 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold? Those are numbers that we don't understand. But this is a kingdom that functions like that. So now you have these people. But you see, Jesus is also very orderly. He says, okay, get them to sit down. And he says, get them to sit down in groups of 50. So they sit in groups of 50, others in hundreds, others in 50. But they sit in groups. And he says, right, bring it to me. And then he prays. And he gives it to the disciples to disperse to the people. So it was the disciples' jobs to take it from the kingdom and to give it to the people. So they had to do it. So remember, when God works and he does these great things, he wants our involvement. We've got to be there. So he wants us to be involved, to bring the answers, to keep on bringing them. Can you imagine the amazement in Philip's eyes and Andrew and Peter and the rest when they keep on coming for more? can't imagine what that must, that must have been like, how it multiplied. My mind thinks of, how did it actually multiply? Did it multiply while, you, while he was pr praying and then they opened their eyes and there were like 20 loaves and six fish? How did it happen? I don't know. All I know is that they were part of this great miracle and they had to be the ones who dispersed it to the people. So God's generosity is there for us to disperse it to other people as well. So even when God blesses you with the little that he's going to use, whatever the little that you have and you give it in his hands, you are in the kingdom, remember? So already what you have is in the kingdom of God. So that little that you have, as God prospers you with it, remember that it's not just for you to use for your own needs. 
kuphela. It's for other people as well. It's for you to, to, to disperse it abroad and to give it to others. Your 5,000 in your frame of reference. What is the 5,000 that God is calling you to? So God uses small ideas to do big things. Okay, I'm going to skip, skip, skip and get to this quote by uh, Ben S. Malayang. He says, and let's always remember that whatever our circumstance, whatever our lot, each of us has our own five loaves and two fish. They are modest and puny when viewed with human eyes against the many needs of our world. But if brought to Jesus, if placed in the hands of God and entrusted to God, the world will see in our small loaves and fish the power, majesty, and face of Jesus as via veritas vita, which is the way, the truth, and the life. Just want to pause for a moment. Hmm. Yes, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he reveals himself through us and the little things, the small things that we look at <laughs> and that we, we think are unusable. How can God do something with this little thing? <sighs> okay, I wasn't going to share this, but there was a time when um, you know, I would hear messages like this where someone would say, you have a gift, you have this, you, you can give to the world, you are a blessing to the world. And I would look at myself and say, but God, what do I have to offer? I mean, I'm not really great at anything. What do I have to offer? I don't know. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I'm good at until one day I, um, okay, so I, I didn't know what I was good at. And I remember doing a, a presentation somewhere and it flopped. It was horrible. And then after that, I was like, I can't even present. I can't even speak to people because that one flopped. But previous to that, when I was 10 years old, I was given a memory verse to do. I blanked out in front of everyone. I was like, okay, God, yo. Okay, so clearly this public speaking thing is not my thing. I'm not meant to do this. I'll do other things. But the question is what? What can I do? You know? And time passed. And then after doing that other horrible presentation, I was in a team. And as a team, we were supposed to do a presentation. So there was someone who was supposed to speak and then something went wrong. And things went horribly wrong and we didn't know what to do. I remember in that moment, just, I felt the Holy Spirit rising up on the inside of me. I, I literally, I felt, I got up, I took hold of the situation and I started to speak. I didn't know what I was supposed to say, but I stood up and I turned everybody's attention to something else. 
while our PowerPoint was being sorted out and the person who was supposed to speak was figuring themselves out. I can't tell you what I said for 10 minutes, but I spoke. It must have been riveting stuff because everyone was sitting like that. I don't remember. I don't know. All I know is I got up and I spoke. And that day, it was like God was saying, this is your little thing. This is your little thing. And I remember when I was working somewhere and that year had been difficult. It's been, it had been a struggle. And I thought, you know, God, I don't know what I'm doing in this job. It's horrible. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I good at? But every day I would meet someone and they would just pour out their hearts to me. And I would just speak to them and encourage them and, and say whatever, one, two, three things, you know. And the next thing they'll be like, wow, thank you so much. I really needed to hear that. And a few days later, I would meet another person. And they'd say, I didn't know I should do that. And then, fine, I was like, God, I don't know. I'm useless. At, I don't know. And then one day I needed to do another presentation. So I went and I did this presentation. And after that presentation, I was convinced that I wasn't going to get a promotion. I knew everyone was going to get a promotion, but I knew I wasn't going to get a promotion. Two things happened. Every director that was in that room wanted me in their division. Secondly, I got a promotion, and it wasn't just a promotion. And they said this has never happened before. But because of that one little thing that God used, he used that to miraculously do something that would never have happened. So what is your little thing? So now I'm using my little thing. But what is your little thing that God wants to transform other people's lives through? That he wants to touch other people's lives through? So he will be seen and be glorified through it. So I think we're going to close there. But um, I just want you to just stand up. We want us to just have a, a moment. Um, I just would like us to reflect a little bit on the fact that God has compassion on us. He knows. He knew before the situation came, he's got us. Okay. And where you know that perhaps your mindset still needs some work, I want to just encourage you to commit yourself to keep on working at it, to keep on allowing the word of God in, to keep on listening to good stuff, to keep on being around people. Whatever it is, whatever idea it is that God gives you to help change that mindset, allow him to do it. God gives us these ideas. We just ignore them. And then think about what that little thing in your frame of reference is. What is that little thing that God wants you to bring to him? It, it may be that you perhaps need to give something, maybe an offering in church. It may be that you need to give something to somebody. Recently, I gave away a couple of bags and there was one that I really liked in there, but I gave it away anyway. And without knowing this, 
my husband bought me three bags soon after that so what is the little thing that you need to release so that God can work through it what is that little thing it maybe you need to give that it maybe maybe whatever a talent that you have that you need to release into God's hands and to see how you can use it for him to be glorified i remember someone who had to god laid it on her heart that she had to go and 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 sing at an old age home and she touched the hearts of those people in an amazing way okay let's pray father god thank you that you are god who is more than enough and that you are god who wants to do more than enough in our lives god you want to show yourself strong on our behalf but i also thank you that you also want to work through us my god to show yourself strong for our friends for our neighbors for our communities for our colleagues you want to show yourself strong so they can know that you are god who loves them so they can know you as their savior you are the bread of life all these things are great that you do for us but lord at the end of it all we want you to be glorified so that people can come to you that they can give their lives to you as lord and savior you to be glorified through our lives God increase our expectation help us to give you our little oil with many 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 jars of expectation many ginormous jars of expectation trusting you to do great things through the little that we give you Thank you father we give you the praise in Jesus name amen thank you for tuning in for more messages like these and other resources you can visit our website at endurban.org remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon be blessed